Our scripture reading this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. As we work together with him, we urge you not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way. Through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see, we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as pure yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affections, but only in yours. In return, I speak as to children. Open wide your hearts also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for these words that come to us across the ages from the Apostle Paul. We pray, Lord, that your wisdom will speak through them and that we might hear your instruction for our living today. Speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Well, the people were divided. There was a big chasm between them, some on the right, some on the left. They were divided by their politics and they were divided by their theology. They couldn't agree on half the things that they would speak. And not only that, they lived in a culture where there were many people of many religions all around them. People came from many ethnic backgrounds. No two people looked alike. They fought with each other. Some wanted to return to the good old days, and some simply wanted to change for the future. Sound familiar? Well, it was the church in Corinth in the middle of the first century AD. Paul had visited this church several times. He saw their troubles. He saw all the tensions, all the all the discord. He saw the divisions that were in the church. And he wanted to tell them how important it was for them to work together, to find unity, to find harmony, to find love within their midst. That's why he wrote his famous first letter to them from Ephesus, the first, first Corinthians, 
And in that, in that letter, we find what, what has come to be known as the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. I won't read the whole chapter. It's often read at weddings. It's read at funerals and other places where we want to recall how important it is to love. But I read a couple of verses. Paul writes to this divided church, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He goes on to say, Faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. In his second letter, which is what we have had read for us, a portion in 2 Corinthians, uh, what we really find are portions perhaps of two letters from Paul. But in this, in this letter that he writes, that we have for us now, he wants to tell the people, kind of almost saying, well, you know, I told you to love, and I told you how important it was, but maybe I didn't tell you that I realize how difficult it is to love. He, he wants them to appreciate the fact that he knows it's hard to love. So he points out what he has endured, along with his companions Barnabas and Silas, who accompanied him on, on various missionary journeys uh, that included visiting with the people in Corinth. He tells them, you know, we've, we've endured such things as afflictions and hardships. We've, we've experienced calamities in our life. We, we, we have been beaten. We have been imprisoned. We've experienced riots, and really, quite honestly, it was Paul who actually uh, uh, brought on the riots by the message that he was offering to the people he encountered. He worked as a, as a, a tent maker, and so he explains that he had to work through it all, so labors they endured, and sleepless nights, and even hunger. He goes on to say, as we, as we heard read for us, that they were treated... Barnabas, Silas, Paul, they were treated as impostors. They were treated as men who were dying or were at least sorrowful, poor, and having nothing. Listen to what he writes in the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians. Five times I have received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked for a night. and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters. Wow, I'm worn out just reading this. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. And besides other things, I am under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. Wow. All of this, all of this was to say that he was doing this because he loved them. It was in spite of all of this that he continued to love them. He writes in, to his Corinthian brothers and sisters, our heart is wide open to you. Open wide your hearts also. You see, what he's doing is he's, he's laying the groundwork for, for teaching these people that love is not easy. It's, it's, it's very difficult. And he's outlined all these things that have happened to him, that, he's, that has happened to him precisely because he was willing to, 
to dare to love and to share God's love with others. So what does it mean when he says, our heart is wide open to you, open wide your hearts also? What does it mean to have an open heart? For Paul, it means he still loves the very people who have caused him his pain. It means he still loves the God who has allowed all of these calamities to come his way. An open heart is one that loves in spite of the circumstances. We call it unconditional love. In the Old Testament, it's called hesed or steadfast love, the way we have it often translated in our English Bibles. In the New Testament, it's agape. It's a love that is extended regardless of the recipient, regardless of whether they are good, bad, or indifferent. Agape love, hesed, is an unconditional love that's given freely. In the 1997 movie, As Good As It Gets, there's a racist, obsessive, compulsive novelist, and there is a single mother with a chronically ill child, and a gay artist that gets robbed and beaten all in the course of this movie. And they have real difficulty loving each other. But through the course of the movie, what we learn from this, this movie, as good as it gets, is that, that in spite of the circumstances, in spite of who they are, in spite of their, their, their imperfections, they can learn to love each other. You see, love is not easy. Others may object to the very people we choose to love. Others may reject us because we are not quite up to their standards because of our imperfections, because we are human enough to be unlovable. Others may turn away from us, turn their backs on us. My last foster dad was a paranoid schizophrenic who also was bipolar. When he would take his medication, he did pretty well. But being paranoid, he thought the medication was meant to harm him. And so often he didn't take the medication. And so sometimes he could be downright cruel, often cruel to the very people who loved him the most. The picture that you see of him, he, I'm not sure, he may be 300 pounds here. By the time of his death, he was a little over 500 pounds. All of that was related to his his emotional and mental condition. He was more often than not verbally abusive with his wife, Zerum. And so eventually I helped remove her from the home so that she could at least have some semblance of normalcy in her life. He was uh, quite honestly not happy with me. And uh, he told me to Get off his property. He didn't want to ever see me again. Slam the door in my face. And I would over and over again, I would call him up only to have him hang up on the phone. And I would go knock on the door and he wouldn't even come to the door. And this went on for quite a while till slowly but surely we, we mended that relationship. It didn't change him. He was still the abusive person that he could be in spite of the goodness that was deep down inside of him. Along with a, a, an army chaplain, uh, I helped move him into the soldier's home up in Washington. And uh, there uh, he was about ready to be 
put out on the street because he had written all kinds of abusive words and permanent magic marker all over the walls of his room, uh, often speaking ill of the people who were there trying to care for him. And probably he would have been out on the street if it hadn't been for the fact that he contracted uh, pancreatic cancer. And so they were not able to treat him there. And so I brought him to Richmond to the veterans hospital there where we started making plans for him to go into hospice. And while I sat by his bedside for those days uh, on end, uh, really basically waiting for, for his death, I came to realize as I wept over him how, how much I loved this man in spite of who he was and, and how much I knew he loved me. And, you know, what, what that whole relationship has taught me, my, my oldest son later, he was young then, they would often go with me when we would travel to Washington to visit their granddaddy Clyde, as they called him. And uh, it was only until I read an essay that my oldest son wrote in elementary school about his granddaddy Clyde and how he observed the relationship between me and his granddaddy. Uh, only then did I realize how much our children watch us and how much they learn from us and, and how much they learn about what real love is. It's not, it's not just in the easy times. It's not in just the times when, when the person we love is, is lovable. But it's real love uh, calls us to love people when they're hardest to love. And that was certainly the case with, with Clyde. God wants us to love that way because God wants us to receive that kind of love. Because truly, if, if we really thought about, if we deserve the love that we often get, we probably don't measure up. And thank goodness for the people in our lives who are willing to love us in spite of who we are. When the angel Gabriel spoke to Zechariah in the temple that day, the angel said Zechariah's son John would go before the coming Messiah. Why? To turn the hearts of the parents to their children. To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In other words, what Zechariah was saying is that, that not Ze what Gabriel was saying to Zechariah was that his son, John, would, would prepare the way by changing the hearts of the people. In other words, he was saying that his son was going to call the people to open their hearts, much like Paul was calling on the people in Corinth to do, to open their hearts, to become vulnerable, to accept God's love for us in spite of our imperfections. And to learn to love others in spite of theirs. To do the difficult thing. And not to be afraid to let our hearts be broken. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Four Loves, these words. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable.
impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. In a way, I guess C.S. Lewis was trying to say what the Apostle Paul had said so many centuries before. Our heart is wide open to you. Open wide your hearts also. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us for trying to protect ourselves by only loving the people who are easy to love. Forgive us for trying to protect ourselves by not loving at all so that our hearts won't be broken. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts and to open our hearts not only to you, but to all around us. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.